Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have a friend of mine, Craig Steele of Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters. Craig, how you doing? Good, Jay. How you doing, bud? Good. I'm catching you right at the end of uh, elk season. It looks like you guys um, across the board had a pretty darn good season compared to a lot of guys. Um, how was it out there? Uh, man, it was... Uh, we got one more time to finish up the early season it was it was tough but uh you know for us it was actually pretty successful it didn't feel like that kind of going through it um the the rut was definitely uh spotty and uh not consistent and uh breakage and uh definitely saw the effects of uh, the drought that we had this winter and spring um on a lot of the bulls, but uh, as far as our camp goes, we had a pretty darn successful uh, hunt season. I mean, we didn't have any uh, wound loss, uh, you know, in the archery season. No miss. We actually had not, not zero miss shots, which is, uh, man, that, that really adds up, you know, and uh, I think we killed out of shoot i like to classify since all the other not all i shouldn't say that but since there's a lot of outfitters out there that classify all their friends and buddies as, as clients i kind of like to distinguish ourselves i think we had uh you know six or seven hunters in camp between the early rifle and archery season and then we had a couple hunts through hunt for heroes um which are, you know, veterans. And then we had one, uh, Jimmy Hoffman, his son, J.D., had an early rifle tag. Um, but we, I think we took eight out of the nine um, took bulls from, uh, we killed with one of the Hunt for Heroes guys. We killed a kind of a younger six-point. And then pretty much everything else from that was 340 to 372. Um which on a year like this was just it was exceptional didn't see too many bulls that uh actually didn't see a bull that i thought would uh break 380 so um, i can't complain we can't complain um, had a really good season for the conditions so yeah it looks like it on your instagram i um, want to encourage the listeners to check out exclusive underscore pursuit underscore outfitters if you haven't already follow them check it out i want to back up a second craig um and go back to the antelope hunts which were prior to uh the elk season and then we'll kind of dive back into the elk um what was your thoughts going into the antelope season what were the conditions like and how did those conditions um carry out uh, throughout the season, and how did your season go? Um, I'm actually headed up to to do a antelope hunt right now. One of the later seasons, seven and nine have the later seasons. Um, but as far as the majority of the rifle, we didn't have any archery hunters. Um, a lot of guys um, that draw archery go DIY. Um, some occasionally we'll get some archery hunters, but we didn't have any archery hunters. We had a unit ten. Uh, client, um, really great guy, um, ended up, we were hunting a buck that 
couple other well-known outfitters were hunting, and we were fortunate to, to get the buck. Uh, there wasn't, uh, it was, it was a little bit depressing as far as from scouting standpoint, um, just very few fawns. Um, supposedly what I hear the rumor is that Unit 10 had a fawn count of 20 to 20 fawns to every 100 does. Some of the other units had below 10 fawns, below 5 fawns, just whether it be they aborted or the drought or coyotes. Um, so that's going to have a very negative impact, or should, on the antelope tags. Um, just didn't see very many quality bucks. Um, just age class, in my opinion, seems to be skimmed. Um, we're of the opinion between Lee and I and Jimmy um, that uh, the bucks need to get four to six years old to be absolutely mature and just not a lot of bucks are reaching that mark. Um, and then with the fawn recruitment and everything, I don't mean to sound pessimistic, but it's uh, it's not good. It's, it's hard as hell to kill a buck that's over 82 to, you know, 85 inches, let alone the 90 inches that everybody seems to dream and hope for. Um, they're just very few and far between. So, um, our client was awesome. Um, we killed a really solid buck. Um, he had a little body. Um, he was uh, a little over 82 inches. And, uh, yeah, so that was the kind of our antelope hunt. I'm getting ready to finish it up with a hunt up here in one of these other later units. And uh, do, you, do you feel like the about all I fish... The wildlife managers for those units, do you feel like they're going to make an adjustment in tag numbers um, with the foreseeable future being a little bit bleak with the fawn recruitment? I mean, what's your thoughts? Do you know, are they aware of it? Have you talked to any of them? What are your thoughts? You know, just that topic as far as what the numbers are going to be, I think that they're probably pretty tight-lipped. And I think, you know, I think the thing about the wildlife managers is just because they work for a government agency, you know, and yeah, they're first on the ground out there. Doesn't mean that their opinions um, are always going to trump the, you know, the politics and you know revenue of, you know, or the the, the, the need for revenue. Um, unfortunately, you know, um, I personally think they they're going to need to cut the tags uh, tremendously. And they're going to have to raise prices. That's the only way the economics of it work out. And unfortunately, um, we'll find out if if the you know commission and the you know um, powers to be will allow that to take place. So yeah, um, but that's what needs to happen. Yeah, in my so opinion. Moving into elk season, you guys um, most of your hunts were in Unit Ten. Uh, what were, talking early on before the archery hunt, what were conditions, you know, when you were doing your scouting, you know, the week or two up until the season, um, you know, what were conditions, how did the, 
you know, country look, and w- what were the elk doing early on? Were they going crazy? Were they quiet? What, you know, how was it looking before the archery hunt started? It was, uh, you know, going back into, like, summer scouting and stuff, you know, looking always, we're always watching the radar, you know, um, looking for the precipitation, um, seeing what kind of levels we're, you know, we're getting in, in, inside the storms. In my opinion, we got some good July rains um, that had a, got a lot of catch water and a lot of the, you know, catch tanks or dirt tanks um, had a lot of runoffs, but it rained really hard. And then, you know, after that, it was kind of sporadic. Um, and the thunderstorms, monsoon thunderstorms, uh, or the monsoon thunderstorms were not very big. Like the sails weren't very big, so you know it was just it was just kind of sporadic. You have some places that yeah they had catch water, but the feed wasn't good. And then you'd go two miles, and you have an area for you know four or five miles that the feed was really good. You know, um, and then it kind of like petered petered out. The monsoon kind of petered out, in my opinion, toward the end of August. Um, it just, it, it didn't, you know, finish strong. Um, uh, and it just, everything going into like Labor Day and stuff, it just seemed slow, you know, the, and, you know, the areas of green up were small and it seemed like that the, the elk densities were small too. Like you'd have a small bunch over here and a small bunch over there. Um, they were definitely around the greener green up areas i think because the green up wasn't you know spread out so vast um and they had so much you know weight to try to put on and try to catch up that um it kind of changed the dynamics um of things um i think you know when you get a good widespread monsoon early monsoon season that just makes everything lush i think that the elk get you know a little bit more comfortable and where they want to be and where they want to rut um and and i think those bulls tend to wander a little bit more um and this is just you know an an assumption or theory but it just it it seemed like they were behind for sure which we kind of expected by the precipitation and by the spring that we had, um, and we were just happy to have some catch water and some green feed um, to actually, you know, for the animals' sake. Um, it, you know, we started hearing bugles around the first of September, but nothing strong. Obviously, it seemed like it was those four and a half, five-year-old bulls. So I'm going into the first right before the first week of the hunt um you know some of the bigger bulls weren't even that we saw weren't even interested in cows um a lot of you know 340 to 3 you know 70 type bulls with a little bit of hanging velvet on the back um they're being super lazy um it seemed like the bigger, mature bulls were maybe around the other elk, but just not really interested. Um, they definitely, you know, I think their past experience had, had, you know, kind of 
I don't know, uh, gave them the experience to kind of hang out and wait. seemed like the bigger bulls were waiting for the cow, a cow to come in heat versus, you know, wasting all that energy, you know, dancing with the cows. A lot of four-and-a-half, five-year-old bulls that were, you know, that were bugling pretty good were kind of with the cows and trying to keep them together. A lot of those older bulls seemed like they were just being real lazy. Um, and that's kind of, you know, leading up to the first week and into the first week of the hunt. It definitely was one of those things where we thought uh, we had a we had a wild hare that we hoped that it was going to get better and they were just going to get ripping towards the second week. But in the back of our mind, Lee and I talked and, and Jimmy talked and we'd all been, you know, through this before. Um, we kind of had the gut feeling that it wasn't going to ever Fire. be a peak, you know. It was just going to be little, it was almost like just a little flare-ups over here. Cow would come in and they'd get to ripping and then by the afternoon they'd shut her down, you know. Um, and then in some areas where we had some more elk, it, it definitely seemed like those younger bulls were a little bit more active. Um, and and uh, toward getting going on toward the latter of the first week, we started seeing breakage. You know, um, the bulls we killed definitely were Jimmy. I think the third day he found the back end of a like a three twenty six point, and he handed it to us, and he's like, "Feel that?" And it was, it was light and fluffy, yeah. no density at all to it. Um, there were definitely. Uh, Definitely bulls lost mass and their back end. Um, a couple of the bulls we took, we'd, we'd seen previous years. Um, one bull with big split third. Um, last year we had a hunter miss that bull. And, you know, looking at the pictures and video from him last year compared to this year, um, we thought he was 385 plus now um, last year, especially since we got to lay a tape on him this year and kind of compare. And this year he was... 372 um he had a broken g1 um, which is you know which is minor um he broke it the day before we killed him but uh considering he wasn't missing a main beam and you know three or four points that was a a plus you know i think a lot of guys they they they're living in a little bit of a pipe dream where they don't understand and you've been there they don't understand that a lot of these elks will start, especially I think the bull-to-cow ratio is coming up in 10, and a lot of these bulls, especially on a drought year, they will start snapping horns left and right. It's it's nothing worse and nothing more sickening as a hunter and as a guide to watch bulls just shred, yeah. you know. And it's it's not just one or two. It's, it's almost inevitable, you know. Um, it's... It's, it's, and, you know, we were fortunate this year, um, the one guy that didn't kill was a great guy, and he's hunted, he's hunted with us before, and he's just, he knew it, you know, he, he, he was just looking for a special bull, and, you know, we had some bulls that we, we tried to get on, and we had one bull break, um, and right before he had to go home, um, but, uh, he was the only one that kind of had the higher expectations. Um, and he knew it was going to be tough. Uh, my other guys, um, 
thankfully, you know, they, they had a, a little bit lower expectation and, uh, you know, we were able to meet that, you know, we were, and I know I told you before the hunt, we were still hoping to kill bulls around 350, you know, um, and we were pretty fortunate. Some of the bulls, three of the bulls we took, we only took two bulls, well, three bulls, but we could, took two bulls that probably could be, you know, that were probably five and a half, six years old that in two or three more years could be just absolute, with the right seed conditions, could have been absolute, you know, 380 plus just these bulls, um, which, you know, sucks, but it's just part of the game um, on, on draw hunts. But three of the bulls we took were eight and a half plus, and that, that is cool. You know, yeah, that's, that's what you, you know, what you freaking hope for and, and what you dream of. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping next year, I'm hoping we get some storms lined up. They were calling for one to four inches with this deal, and it looked like it hit Phoenix and Yuma with this uh, hurricane moisture that came up. And um, it looked like it hit Payson, stuff like that. But it did not hit 10 and 9 very well. Um Nine got a little bit of it. Uh, seven got a little bit of it, but ten didn't get any of it. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So it it was good, Jay. The, the, I mean, all things considering, um, you know, we I think we sat water on one bull, on two bulls. Those were with the Hunt for Hero guys. We stocked one bull. Um, we slipped around one bull in a drainage and just waited for him to feed by us. Um, we called in one bull, um, as far as archery hunts go. So that's kind of, you know, how we, how we end up getting our bulls taken. Um, so with the, you need to use all the tools in the chest you could use this year. You know, it definitely wasn't a year. Right. You could just, you know, jump in and go, um, you know, and, and hope to, you know, catch up to rotten bull or calling a bull. Um, there was, you know, opportunities kind of early where I think some of the bulls were, you know, almost like they were hoping and you'd catch a bull come across an opening, just, you know, you could tell he was dang sure looking for other help um, to get in front of him. That's how we ended up taking that one bull. Um, uh, I think it was 350 and 2.8. Um, we called him in, he was just cruising, you know, um, but not many opportunities for that on the bigger bulls, younger bulls, a lot of, you know, big five points and a lot of 280 to 320, 330 bulls that were, were going fairly decent. So I want to take good. I want to take just a second here and thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank the listeners for supporting those sponsors. I want to thank GoHunt.com. Cody Nelson is the new optics manager uh, over there at the GoHunt.com gear shop. You can call Cody directly for any information or sales. If you're looking for binoculars, rifle scopes, spotting scopes, tripods, anything optically related, you can reach him at 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or email him at optics at gohunt.com. Cody has promised me that he's going to take care of the J. Scott Outdoors listeners, so if you're in the market for 
any new optics, give Cody a call. I want to thank GoHunt for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Kuyu.com. That's K-U-I-U.com. That's the gear that, that I wear on all my hunts. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship and Canyon Coolers. If you guys are in the market for a new cooler, go to CanyonCoolers.com. Use the J. Scott promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Uh, Craig, how was the ranch? I know you guys have some great private property in Unit 10. Um, how was the ranch conditions uh, compared to some of the public land or some of the uh, the uh, more accessible land as far as feed conditions? And then how did that play out uh, with you as far as did the bulls pile on you guys, cows pile on you guys pretty good, um, or was it um, just an average year where, you know, there's elks kind of spread out all over? It was actually a year that probably we had the least amount of elk that we've had. Um, it was it was just sporadic feed conditions. You know, it was the same on there as far as it was. You know, I would say some of the public had better feed. Um, uh, you know, the advantage is that, you know, a lot of things are, they had more, and, and they're just unmolested. So, you know, we're, we're not bumping, you know, we're not worried so much about guys bumping elk and, you know how it is when, you know, we always talk about that Sunday lull. We don't usually get the Sunday lull, um, you know, so it's usually, it's a lot more consistent. Um, it's just a, a lot nicer place because, you know, like with any private access area, you, you just don't have to, have to compete and have the pressure on the animals as well. So the animals act more natural. Um, you know, um, we hunted a little bit off the, off the ranch and on public. Um, we actually took a bull, um, Jimmy's son took a bull on public, um, and he was right off the main road with some cows and nobody was hunting him. Um, he, he was, uh, a little over 350. Um, he was a lot, Jim, JD was the last guy to go to get to hunt. Um, and, uh. But still, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of dense, can be tough in that dense jungle when they're not going, you know yeah. what I mean? It just, yeah. you know, it just, it just can be darn tough. So I, it, it, it definitely wasn't an advantage for us as it usually is, but we did not, there definitely was not the elk on, on that place that, you know, a lot of people probably thought there was. Um, as we've had in year pa years past, uh, whether it be because of slow rut conditions that we just didn't didn't see all the elk, or you know, or they were huddled in some of the thicker, denser country, um, but uh, definitely was an advantage. You know, just like the place that you're managing up there, that you just you don't have the pressure, so yeah. um, they act more natural. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, looking, well, first question would be, we've talked about the trend in Unit 10, trending up, trending down, trending sideways. We've gone kind of a full circle. You had said, I believe, about a year ago that if things remain the same, that you see a brighter future for Unit 10. Um, what are your thoughts from what you saw this season? I know with the a drought year and an antler growth year, that's a little bit off. Um, what are your thoughts, though, moving forward? 
I, I, I mean, I, we're still under that assumption that, you know, it just uh, it just depends on if the tag numbers stay down. You know, if they start pumping in 100 early rifles and, you know, seven 800 late rifle bull tags and 200 archery elk tags, it's going to go to shit yeah. um, as far as from a trophy standpoint. Um, if this next year, if we get the proper rain um, in the winter and spring, uh, could be a, the best year we've seen in five, six years in there. Um, if we don't, it could be, you know, still could be good, um, but it's not going to be as good as it could be. Um, and then the following year could be could be even better, you know. It, it all all depends on that stroke of the pin if they keep the tag numbers down um, as far as, you know, from the bull elk standpoint. And I sure hope they do. Um, I sure hope, you know, that um, they understand that, you know, that's a exceptional unit, just like nine and some of the other, you know, uh, higher quality management units, the areas that they're supposed to manage for a little bit higher quality, that, uh, you know, that's something that, that people are looking for and, and that it's the right thing to do in management is to har harvest or kill older age class to let these bulls to get to at least seven and a half and I understand you're going to have people that don't you know you can't control what the hunters do but you can control how many tag numbers you have and if that means increasing the prices um, we haven't had a price increase in a long time um, then so be it um, I sure hope they do because that's the only way you can the economics will work out you know um, so I, I'm still hopeful um, that uh, 10 and 9 um, will get the proper rain next year and they'll keep the tag numbers down specifically in 10 just because they've dropped them so much. I would like to see, you know, more like 25, 30 on the early rifle. Um, but, you know, 40 is dang sure a lot better than 100, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm... I'm pumped about that as long as they I try not to get we try not to get too excited about it because you know regimes change and mentalities change and you know I think at the end of the day that uh, the game fish you know they they either have to raise prices or they they have to increase tax and it seems like um, over years past they'd rather increase tags and increased prices because they get a little bit of backlash, you know, from the, the, the residents, um, which, you know, I, I get it, but on the same token, uh, economics are economics and you can't change that, you know? Yeah. So, Moving forward, um, you've got, uh, antelope hunt and I assume you've got some late elk hunts, uh, any hunts out there that you guys still have availabilities, you know, sheep hunts, anything that you want to put out there that if anybody listening has a tag um, that you're interested, you guys have spots for guiding out there, or are you pretty much full? You know, other than, you know, somebody on a prayer calling us up for a sheep hunt over here in the 15D and C and 16A, um, we, are, we are full. I mean, we are full. Um, but, you know, 
Well, I know the sheep hunts are they're a privilege to get the guide. Um, so I, I know that, you know, the chances of that are slim, but I'd always uh, enjoy doing a sheep hunt. And I know Jimmy and Lee would always enjoy jumping in on it as well. So there's that guy or gal out there that has one of those and needs some help. There's my pitch. So. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And but, then uh, ex- exclusive pers- or um, predator exclusives, when do you primarily kick off your predator season um, with that business? Well, we'll start doing um, hunts. Uh, well, I guess the end of this month, you know, we'll start doing hunts now um, and then go until March, um, primarily into just to March. Um you know, kind of gets the meat of the season, November through um, March. But uh, we got guys that, you know, for time frame reasons, will hunt October. Um, hopefully, we get get. I haven't even looked at the long term, but I, I've heard possibilities of El Nino. Um, hopefully, we get a little bit colder winter down here and, and get some precipitation and get some better fur on these predators so they look good on the mounts and on the wall and um so i'm i'm excited about that and and get a little bit increased activity versus you know 70 80 degrees like we had last year throughout the winter um yeah so that that kicks off craig i I want you to tell the listeners october 20th i want you to tell the listeners how they can follow along um and find out more about you guys um, for big game stuff, um, exclusive pursuit outfitters, you can, you know, type that in on Instagram or Facebook or on Google, and pull up our website, our Facebook page, and our um, Instagram pages. It'll come up. And then for predator hunting, you can type in same thing on Instagram, Facebook, and Google predator exclusives, and. You follow us on those pages. Um, and then my personal pages um, on Instagram is at Craig Steele AZ. Um, and that's the best way to follow us. Right on, buddy. Well, thanks for your time, and um, ha- hope you have a great antelope hunt, and I'll catch up with you later in the season. God bless you, and thanks for all that you do, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Jay.